listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, that you are so awesome and you are so incredible. God, we ask that you would speak to our hearts right now. God, as we're going to tackle the subject once again of fasting and the joys, I believe, that can come, not something that we can endure through, but we can enjoy through. And God, I pray, God, that you would anoint me today to speak words that God would challenge hearts and lives in this place. And God wouldn't only challenge them about a fast and setting aside time, but also would challenge their lives about giving you everything, about surrendering their whole life to you, realizing, God, that you're the answer to every problem and circumstance of life that we could ever face. And we'll call you the best thing that has ever happened to us because, God, you truly are. And we'll give you all the praise and we'll give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, you can do better than that. Everyone said, amen. Amen means so be it. Okay, I like that. It's not just a period at the end of your prayer. It means something. It's a declaration of faith that after you've prayed, so be it. That with confidence as children of God, we can say, so be it. Come on, say that with me. So be it. Amen. Hallelujah. This morning, I want to take a good look at fasting, the reasons why we fast and what truly fasting is all about, what it does or what it accomplishes in our lives, because I believe it accomplishes great things in our lives. On Wednesday night, we laid a brief foundation about fasting, and then we answered, I believe, eight or nine questions, which were incredible questions, great questions that were sent in by different ones. And I encourage you to listen to the message. It's online. Download it. Listen to it and listen to those questions. Each track, I've tried to make it a different question. So as you go through it, you can hear the different questions. But here's my heart's cry and my desire this year is this. I would love and I would like to see everyone in this church participate somehow in our next 21-day fast. I believe that we all can do something. I believe that in giving a little, it's going to be a sacrifice. Luke and I were talking in the car coming home yesterday, and I said to Luke, he said, I'm going to fast out. I said, great, what are you fasting? He said, brownies. I said, Luke, that's cool. When's the last time you ate a brownie? He says, like two weeks ago. I said, well, that's cool. I said, but really think about something that you could do that maybe on a regular basis that you would... And he looks at me and goes, Dad, I can't give up milk. (laughs) There's no way I could give up milk. And I just began to talk to him. And I said, but Luke, that's the kind of things that really is what God is asking of your life if that's what you want to do. And we can look and we can say, well, you know, I can't. But I believe every one of us can give a little and then some more. 
I think we can go a little bit further. I know in my heart I've got a, a mapped out plan that I have. And, and really, to be honest with you, I'm not saying this, but yesterday morning I woke up and God said to me, Philip, start fasting today. I'm already in my second day of fasting. I'm not saying that to say, wow, look at me. I'm saying that because God challenged me. I'm, I'm ready for Monday. And God said, Philip, begin today. And a lot of the time, psychologically, we have to kind of psych ourselves up to it. And God was saying, no, I want you to start right now and start trusting me. And that's what fasting is all about, trusting God. Putting aside those things that we would maybe turn to to sustain us and to fill us up, that we would in turn push those things aside and say, God, you are just that important to me. And I want you to touch my life. And I believe that every one of us can give a little. And listen to me, when the Bible speaks about us giving a little, can I tell you what else it speaks about? Him giving great rewards. That when we give a little, God gives back to us supernatural blessings. And I really believe that this 21 days, the beginning of this year, we're going to see such supernatural things take place in our lives. And I'm going to hold that thought and I'm going to cover it a little bit later. Because here's the thought that we're going to cover later. And that is this. It's not so much the stuff, but you, that God wants to grab a hold of. It's not so much the stuff, but it's you. That's the challenge that God's been given to me. We can have our lists of, God, I want you to do this, this, and this. And we encourage you. We have a prayer wall where you can go and put your prayer needs up. If you don't want them to be seen, fold them over and tape them. But every day, someone's going to be in here praying over every one of those needs. Thank God for that. But God's really been challenging me in saying, you know, the greatest need is you, Philip. The greatest need is your life, your relationship, and where you are at God, in God. So today I want to look at fasting 2012 style. Fasting 2012 style. Because it's, I believe it's time that we have a fresh look or a new look or an outlook on fasting. Because I believe fasting, when practiced the right way, can be enjoyed. Now that's not a typo up there. It doesn't, isn't meant to say endured. It says enjoyed. I believe fasting is something that can be enjoyed in our lives because when we endure anything, it's miserable. Come on, let's just be honest. If we have to endure, some of you had to endure through some family time at Christmas. You had to go and see grandmas and grandpas and stuff. And come on, it's kind of tough sometimes going and seeing some of those people, but it's your yearly thing to do and you endure through it. But fasting isn't something that we should dread and look at and say, oh, here we go again. I can't do it. I can't make it. Because that's the image, unfortunately, most of us have made of it. And let's be honest. Who really wants to do that? I don't want to do that. I'll be honest. If that's what fasting's all about, I'm going to say, Pastor P, I love you and everything and all good stuff, but I, I ain't going to fast. There's got to be more, and I believe there is, that we're going to see from God's Word. We're not trying to make the first 21 days or of your life, of this new year, miserable. Fasting is not just something that's done in emergencies and by fanatical people. It's for every follower of Jesus. And when we can break through the mindset that focuses just on abstaining, doing without, not having... We will realize, I believe, that there is great wealth here for each one of us as children of God. Now, we know fasting does involve abstaining from food or things like that for a period of time. But the abstinence or the doing without is not the purpose. That's not the purpose. 
Fasting is and can be in your life one of the most powerful spiritual weapons that you can use. Yet many Christians have never experienced it. And Satan is happy about that. He hates it. I really believe that because of what we're making a proclamation and a declaration and a statement and saying, God, we're going to do this, Satan is not happy at what happens. And it's amazing. There is never a good time to fast. There's always going to be a birthday time. There's always going to be a BCS championship game. There's always going to be something that's going to come up that you're going to say, well, I'll do it after that. And, oh, I can't and I can't. There's always going to be some reason or there's going to be some excuse. And Satan knows that. And he hates it because when God's children begin to fast, what, the, what are they doing? I believe they take their lives out of what has been and place it into what can be. I'm tired of the what has been. I thank God for what he did. 2011 wasn't a bad year. I thank God for that. But I don't want that this year. I want greater things. I want God to use me in a greater capacity. I want God to take me to those things that can be in my life. He doesn't want us to experience, Satan doesn't want us to experience the rewards of fasting. And one of the greatest rewards is going to be your life changed. Stovall Weems, who's a pastor in Florida, in his book Awakening, he says these words, There is a closeness to God that you simply will not experience from a prayer and personal devotion alone. You must fast. Let me say that one more time. There is a closeness to God that you simply will not experience from prayer and personal devotion alone. You must fast. And why is that? Because fasting is disconnecting us from the distractions of the world then when we add prayer to it, prayer then connects us into the presence of God. I said this Wednesday night, fasting is an emptier. Prayer is a filler. As we begin to fast, we empty ourselves, but fasting alone is no good because then all we're doing is dieting or starving ourselves. It's prayer and fasting or fasting and prayer. Fasting empties those things gets rid of the distractions, and prayer is that which connects us once again into the presence of God. Because we talked about it Wednesday, God hasn't moved, we have. God hasn't moved, He's in the same place He's always been. But we're the ones that have allowed our lives to be distracted as we've been taken further and further away. But as we empty ourselves, as we come back to our source, then God can begin to fill us. And the result of that, I believe, will be supernatural freshness and newness in your life. Last year at this time, I preached a message on the first day or the day before the fast on when you or when we. I can't remember exactly the title of the message, but it came from Matthew chapter 6. Jesus instructed his disciples and the people of that day what needs to happen in their lives. If you want to live Right. If you want to be pleasing to God, Jesus teaches his followers the source of power for their lives. And this is what he teaches them. When you give, when you pray, and when you fast. Let me say that again. When you give, when you pray, and when you fast. When you go home, read through Matthew 6 and you will see this. But notice it's not a question of whether we should. Jesus didn't say, if you choose to give, if you choose to pray, if you choose to fast, but he says, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. 
And he goes on later to say, and we can see this in Mark chapter 9 and verse 26, he says this, This kind comes out by nothing but prayer and fasting. That believes, that tells us that thank God for prayer. But there are perhaps certain breakthroughs and miracles in our lives that we need to also have fasting to see the results. Why? Because Jesus said that this, this kind comes out by nothing but prayer and fasting. That means that some things will only change when you and I begin to fast. Yet many Christians still don't see the need to do something which the Bible endorses. Something that Jesus even did. You can read it in Matthew chapter 4. He was driven into the wilderness after he was baptized. And for 40 days and for 40 nights he fasted in the wilderness. And Satan came and tempted him. But as he went through the temptations, as he remained focused on his calling and what God had called him to do, the Bible says angels ministered to him. And then his ministry here on this earth began. Yes, it's an emptying from distractions but it's also a source of power and of life. But its primary focus is to help us draw closer to God. It's all really about our relationship with Him. And how we view fasting and how we fast will make the difference in what benefits we will see as a result of it. In the Bible, we can see that there are actually two different methods or two different types of fast. There is the Old Covenant or the Old Testament. And then there is the New Covenant or the New Testament. One day Jesus was approached by certain disciples of John who were upset that Jesus wasn't teaching his disciples to fast. That Jesus wasn't teaching them to follow the Jewish customs of fasting. And look how Jesus responds to them. And let's read it from Matthew chapter 9, verse 14 and 15. Jesus says these words. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we, the Pharisees, why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Listen to what Jesus says. Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them And they will fast. And they will fast. Jesus is about to show them, and we're going to see this as we read on in a few moments. Jesus is about to teach them and show them a new type of fasting. Jesus didn't say that they shouldn't fast. Jesus said they will fast. But Jesus said, when they begin to fast again, they're going to do it in a new way, not like the old customs. You see, if we were to look at the Old Testament fasting, I was just reading this morning about the children of Israel, how they went out against the tribe of of Benjamin. And Benjamin smote them, and and there was about 20 or 26,000 of them killed. And it says they went home that night, and they fasted and prayed, and they cried out to God. In the Old Testament, fasting was mostly to do with mourning or to get God to intervene during a crisis. It had to do with convincing God to change his mind and obtain favor from him. So it was a time that they would do like in mourning or it was a time where they needed God to intervene in a crisis. 
And we see an example of this also in the book of Jonah. After Jonah finally decides to go to Nineveh, he preaches the gospel. And the Bible says that the people of Nineveh repented. And then they did something. They called a fast. And they even made all their animals and livestock fast. You could read it for yourself in Jonah chapter 3. They said, we won't eat and our animals ain't going to eat. Because we need God's intervention. Because Jonah came and said, hey, this city is going to be destroyed. And the people cried out to God. No one was going to eat because they needed God to change his mind. They repented, they fasted and waited. I'm glad today that's not the type of fast that we have to be a part of. I'm glad today that there is a new covenant type of fasting. One that doesn't have to fast to get God to change his mind about something. And it's also not something now we have to do to obtain his favor and for forgiveness. Why is that? Because of the cross. You see, the cross brought in a new day. It wasn't trying to be good enough to meet the standard that we have to try and do anymore. But it's realizing none of us are good enough. It's realizing none of us are worthy. But he was the spotless lamb. It's realizing that all have sinned and we fall way short of the glory of God. It's realizing... There is nothing I can do in myself that can save myself because I'm wretched, lost, and I'm miserable. But thank God that Jesus, he brought in a new day. He brought in a new way as he went and took each one of our places. He hung upon the cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do and neither can they have a way of escape is what he said. But I am the way of escape. I am the righteousness. I am the perfection. I am the way. And Jesus hung upon that cross and he died and he made a new day for us. That now we cannot just hope for the favor of God. The favor of God lives upon every one of us. The mercy and the grace of God is upon us. You see, after you receive Christ as Lord and Savior, your past present sins have been forgiven. And can I tell you, God's even going to take care of those future ones because you're all going to still mess up. But because of the cross, there is forgiveness in him. Come on, we don't have to throw sackcloth on and put ashes over us and say, wretched and miserable am I. We can just boldly come to that throne where we can find mercy and grace in our time of need. And we can cry out to God and he'll give us the forgiveness that we need. You see, we don't have to obtain favor nor receive his mercy. Because he's already given that to us. Now we can fast to celebrate the goodness of God in our lives. To celebrate the favor of God upon our lives. To celebrate his mercy and his forgiveness. You see, the Old Testament was all about doing in order to become. Now the New Testament is this. You already are, therefore it's time you start living like it. Come on, do I hear an amen? It's not something that we're trying to do to impress God. Listen, when you fast, you're not impressing God. But when you're fasting, you're placing yourself on that surgery table once again that He can begin to remove those things and show you the areas of your life. Come on, the new covenant is you already are. You've got to start living like it. Look what it says in Galatians 5 verse 1. Stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You see too many still have the wrong mindset of fasting. 
Fasting is not about works, trying to do something. In fact, I've heard some people over the last few weeks that have kind of criticized and ridiculed and said, all these people who are doing these 21-day fasts, I mean, it's not of God and they're not doing it right. And they're blah, 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 blah. I'm telling you right now, we're not doing it because of works. But we're rejoicing in what God has already done. And we're wanting God to change our lives that every one of us can live in such an incredible way that truly honors and glorifies Him. We're not fasting for His mercy, but instead to celebrate the mercy given to us through God and our relationship with Him. Fasting is not about mourning or sadness, but celebrating the goodness of God. What He has made available to each one of us, and through fasting, I believe we're going to get some of those things back again that we've wandered away from. Let's go back to that passage, if we could, at the dispute between John's disciples and Jesus. And notice what Jesus goes on to reply to John's disciples, as I believe he paints a new way of fasting. Matthew 9, verse 16 and 17, Jesus goes on to say, No one puts a piece of unshrunken cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine in old wineskins, or else the wineskins break, the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Kind of strange, really, when you read it at first thought, that there's a dispute over fasting. Why don't you disciples fast? Jesus says, while the bridegroom's here, you know, they're not going to fast. But when he's taken away, they will fast. And then Jesus goes on to talk about garments and wineskins. It's almost like he's just rambling something off. But can I tell you, Jesus never rambles anything that doesn't have utmost significance for our lives. What he is rambling about, if you want to put it that way, I believe is he is painting an image of what fasting now needs to be in every one of our lives. Incidentally, there's a chapter on fasting that's Isaiah 58. Read it for yourself. And in the middle of it, all of a sudden, there's a shift. And God says, now this is the fast that I will receive. What is that? That's the shift between the old way, the morning, give me favor and all these things and recognizing that favor is already upon your life, but celebrating the goodness and mercies of God. And God says, now this is the fast I'm going to receive. But Jesus now has just given them two illustrations to help us understand the concept of old versus the new, I believe, in regards to fasting. He talks about you don't put a new piece of cloth on an old garment. And then he speaks about old wineskins and he speaks about new wineskins. And that's where I want to focus in on this morning. Back in Jesus' day, they stored wine in wineskins and not bottles. To hold fresh made wine, the wineskins needed to be soft and they needed to be pliable. Because as the wine would begin to ferment, it would cause the wineskins to expand. The wineskins had to be able to expand With the wine, if not, they would burst. And that's why an old wineskin wouldn't work, because eventually they became hard, they became brittle, and they became non-flexible. Thus, if anything new was put inside of them, they couldn't expand properly, they would crack and break, and that which was inside would be spilled out. Now we know that from the Word of God, Jesus spoke figuratively many times. He used parables, stories, earthly stories with heavenly meanings. 
And everything, whether figuratively or direct, that Jesus spoke has a direct reference or connection, I believe, back to every one of our lives. Because what we just read or we just explained there has to do with your life. Why? Because Jesus isn't speaking really about a cloth or a wine spring skin. We are the cloth and your life is the wine skin. And the whole wine is symbolic of the Holy Spirit that God wants to place inside of each one of his believers, the life of God. And I want us to think about that in that context. God wants to come and dwell inside of your life. That's the new covenant, that now we can have a personal relationship. We don't have to go to a priest. We don't have to take a bull or a goat or a turtle dove to offer up as a sacrifice that someone else could be a mediator and go to God for us. But because of the new covenant, the the veil was rent in two, meaning that we have complete access now into the presence of God, that we can come to Him. There's a new covenant, a personal relationship that we can have with God. So through that, God now wants to dwell inside of us. And we know this, that God is a filler. I love that description of God. God is one that wants to fill us. And He wants to fill every empty space of each one of our lives. And He'll fill us and fill us. And He'll keep filling us. Are you getting the picture? The Bible says that daily He wants to load us with His benefits. That He wants to pour so much. Come on, He's given into our lives. But in order to contain all the blessings, all the rewards, all the peace... Everything of God that he wants to give, in order to contain them, you and I have got to be a new wineskin. We've got to be flexible. We've got to be pliable. And we've got to be able to expand. Let me give you this statement today. You need to be a new wineskin to move forward in God's purpose for your life. You need to be a new wineskin. If you want to move forward in the purpose that God has for your life. When you get saved, it's not just a one-time experience. What do I mean by that? You're saved at that moment. Don't get me wrong. You are saved. You are never going to be more saved than the moment you gave your life to Christ. But the Bible says also it's a daily walk. It says daily we're to take up our cross and follow Him. And I wonder today how many of us are still trying to put in all the blessings of God into a wineskin that we got 20 years ago when we first gave our hearts to the Lord. I wonder how many of us are still trying to receive the blessings of God, but never moving on in God, never desiring more of God, never allowing our lives to be touched and reached and allowing God just to begin to prune us, to perfect us, to make us into what He wants us to be. You see, throughout our entire Christian experience, I believe the Bible shows us that we need to be renewed through Christ each and every day. There is a renewing that comes about in our Christian experiences. Listen, if your only testimony that you've got today is the day you got saved 20 years ago, you need a fresh encounter with God. Because your testimony should be up to date. There should be things happening in your life because that's how God is. That's a relationship with Him. But if we're not being renewed every day, if our relationship with God is not being renewed, 
our lives are going to come stale, stiff, and hard. And I believe from this passage, which Jesus is speaking in reference to fasting, Jesus is showing us that fasting is one of the ways he can give each one of us a new wineskin. As we begin to fast and seek God and, and, and his goodness and mercy upon our lives and we rejoice in that, come on, he renews us and he prepares us to contain the new things he wants to bring into your life. How many of you in here have dreams that you know are God dreams but you haven't seen the fulfillment of them yet? Come on, let me see. Perhaps those things are being withheld. Why? Because your life is not able to contain those things. Perhaps if God gave you those things, your life would explode and it would flow out from you because you're not ready to receive those things. And there's something else I've realized, and that is this. If you haven't got them yet, you never will if you stop. You've got to keep on going. You've got to keep on going. You've got to keep on seeking God. Jensen Franklin, in this book on fasting, he says a statement that has really challenged me. He says, every assignment has a birthing place. Every assignment has a birthing place. And a woman is pregnant and she conceives a child. She has to grow with that child as that child grows inside of her. There's a stretching that takes place in the natural, just as so in the spiritual. God wants to birth things in our lives, but can I say this? I wonder if our lives are ready and able to receive what God has for us. Fasting renews us. Fasting begins to prepare us. And you know what? Fasting is not all about this stuff. God's really been challenging me with this. And by, the, you know, by all means, write down those lists that you believe in God for because we're believing for miracles. We're believing for jobs. We're believing for healings. We're believing for breakthroughs. And, and that's why, again, we have the fasting wall. Put your requests and put all that things up there. But I believe the greatest need that you and I have today is not a new job. It's not for God to heal our bodies great requests and great needs. But I believe the greatest need we all have is this, that God would give us a new wineskin. That God would give us a new wineskin. It's you, your life, your relationship with God where it first has to start. Throughout the fast, God wants to and will bring a freshness and a newness to your soul that will prepare you to receive the incredible new expanding dreams and things that he has already planned for you. And that's the type of mindset. That's fasting 2012 style. That's the new covenant mindset. Realizing that it's a time of expanding. It's a time of stretching. It's not a time of abstaining and going without and sacrifice and gloom, doom and despair. It's a time of expanding. Dreams becoming reality. That our lives can once again be flexible and pliable. That God can fill us. As I close this morning, here's my closing thoughts. It's amazing how as we live through life, we can get so gunked up. It's amazing how easily things can come upon us and they can become a part of us. Man was created, the Bible says, in the image and likeness of God. 
Man was created as a triune being. There is three parts to us as a human being. Body, soul, and spirit. Now the body is what you see. The body is the outer shell. It's that which contains or holds the spirit and the soul of a man. The spirit is what we see that God bent down and he breathed into Adam the Spirit of God, the life of God. The Spirit of God is the life of God inside of us. But then there's our soul, which is our appetites, which is our desire, our mind, our will. It involves our emotions. The Bible says that our spirit is constantly renewed. Look at it, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16. Therefore do not lose heart, even though your outward man is perishing. Can someone say an amen to that? Chip gives me a hard time all the time when he sees my wrist. He looks at me and goes, Pastor P, you're just getting old. You're just getting old. I refuse that. But you know what? Just the out, don't lose heart even though your outward man is perishing. But notice this, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. So we know our spirit can be renewed day by day, but it's our soul that gets so gunked up. Come on, the thoughts that we have, how we can get the wrong thoughts and the wrong feelings, how we can have the wrong emotions. It's amazing those things that used to once convict us and we never did those things now become a part of our everyday life. We've accepted them. We've become normal. And normal doesn't work. It's time we get weird again. We look at our lives and the passion we once had for God is not the same anymore as we struggle to even get out of bed on Sunday mornings if we even come. Oh, God will understand. He knows my heart. If you're going to say that statement, you better realize He does know your heart. To sum it all up, Our relationship with God so easily begins to drift away. We read the scripture a couple of weeks ago, Hebrews 2 verse 3. It says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? So gunked up, we become numb to the moving and the calling of God. Incredible story in the Bible, but yet so sad. It says that the Spirit of God... Or the revelation of God was so rare in those days. And it took a young boy called Samuel to come into the temple to once again hear from God. Because if you would read of it in the word of God, it says that Samuel lay down in the presence of God. And then the Bible says, but Eli Eli lay down in his usual place. My God, we've got a usual place that we're living in where we need to once again get in the presence of God because in that usual place, God may be speaking, but we're so far away we cannot hear that still small voice. But thank God there was a young boy. He didn't understand it at first. He didn't know what it was, but he was in the right place to hear from God. We may not always understand it, but it doesn't matter as long as we're in the right place because God will reveal himself to us. Three or four times after God had called and he had run to Eli, Eli finally says, it must be God, say, speak, your servant listens. And as that voice came, but there's something so powerful about that passage. The Bible says that God called the first three times. But when Samuel was ready to receive, the Bible says God came and stood 
and cold. Could it be that when we fast and when we say, God, I want to get out of the usual place, I want to get back into your place, could it be that the voice of God is not now so distant? But now we're right at his feet. Again, not because he has moved, but because we have moved. Stover Weems says this statement. I think it's an incredible statement. He says, fasting hits the reset button of your soul. Fasting hits the reset button of your soul. If you've got a real phone that's called an iPhone, you can reset to factory settings. That's what fasting does. It resets us back. It's a spring clean. It's a deeper clean. Come on, it's great to clean your house every week. It's great to keep your car clean now and again and do this. But how many knows there's a difference between a spring clean? It's when you get under the couch. It's when you pull the curtains back and you realize all the bugs and the dead stuff that's on the windowsills that you never saw before. And you clean in ways and you begin to realize this and you say, Wow, my house is a lot dirtier than I thought it was. Because in the surface, everything was clean. We keep it clean. We rearrange. But I believe fasting is a spring cleaning. That God can begin to move things. That we begin to move and remove those things from our lives. And allow God to rake us over the coals. To help us get our priorities back in order. To help get us back to the source. I need to close because I want to pray for each one of you today. But I love what Denise Delphin said on Wednesday night. Denise is a nutritionist. I asked her to speak for a few moments on Wednesday night about fasting. And I love what she said from a secular viewpoint or a health viewpoint. She wasn't trying to be spiritual in it. She was just talking from her expertise in nutrition. And she said, there is no harm but only good that can come about through fasting for the physical body. There is no harm but only good that can come. You see, that's how incredible God is, that when we set ourselves aside to seek Him spiritually, God also blesses us physically. There's healings that are going to come in your body, not just because you've prayed, but because through the fast, your body has cleansed itself. Your body has been able to renew itself as God has made you a new wineskin that you can contain the things that God has for you. Fasting will renew you. It will clean you out. It will cause you to be able to contain everything God has for you. It's not about abstaining, but it's about celebrating the goodness, the favor and the mercies of God. It's a source of power available to each one of us. I realize today I can't force any one of you here to participate. But I realize all I can do is give you the truth from God's word and encourage you to follow after that. You will be different as a result of fasting. Let God give you a new wineskin. One that he can use. And one that he can fill. I'm going to end my message Perhaps someone could come back and play for me this morning. I'm going to end my message the same way I began, and that is this. Every one of you, I believe, can do something and go a little bit further. We're not doing it to manipulate God. We're not doing it to say, God, if I do this, then you're going to have to do that. 
But what we're doing it to do is to celebrate the goodness and the mercy and favor of God upon our lives. That he can give us a new wineskin, that we can receive everything he has for us. That we can get that gunk out of our lives, the junk, the stuff that fills us, both spiritually and physically. And as the Bible says, that God can renew us each and every day. If I could ask everyone to stand to your feet today. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heartsea's Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.